Welcome to Education Currents, a show designed to provide educational news and commentary from a Christian worldview. The greatest resource any community has is its children. And by providing for them the best possible education, we are providing for ourselves and future generations. Join us as we explore the latest social and political issues surrounding education today. Welcome to our show. I'm here with John Morgan. And uh, last time I interviewed you quite a while ago, you were George W. Bush. (laughs) Now I guess you're Trump. But whatever the case may be, you're very talented. And thank you for being with us. You're very welcome. It's an honor to be here. So you were discovered at a Bush for President rally in 2000. That's right. You are... Uh, you you were at that point selling appliances, and then you went to performing President George W. Bush, uh, acting as him. It says that you performed at the official inauguration fest- festivities. How do you do that? The uh, Florida GOP created a an Oval Office replica in the downtown hotel during the inaugural festivities. Oh, okay, and so my wife who surprisingly can look like Laura Bush. There's a picture in the book. They posed us as George and Laura, and people came by and got pictures. It was so fun. Very surreal. Yes. How wonderful. I mean, it says that with a small uh, group of Secret Service agents around you and the way you nod and greet, and I'll testify to that, too. I had so much fun at our last interview because I put pictures. I said, look at who I got to interview and, (laughs) you know, didn't quite reveal who it was. And I got a lot of comments. Everyone said, congratulations. And (laughs) so it's so fun. (laughs) I'm a fun loving guy and I love a practical joke and I, I. I love being punked, if you will, as the expression is. And uh, it's so much fun sneaking into the Wax Museum, for example, and, you know, going to, uh, like, for example, just last night, uh, George Bush himself spoke at the Gaylord Palms. Oh, really? And my, my wife and I had uh, the privilege of attending. And it was so surreal being in the crowd and people going, wait a second, you know? Yes. Uh, yes. Back and forth. But uh, I, I'll tell you, I en- enjoy. Uh, providing comedy, uplifting uh, repartee with folks. Greatest part of it is it opens people up. It opens up their hearts to hearing a message of love and hope and and a restorative message that they can take and improve their lives with. It's yes, such a which blast. brings me to the topic at, at hand. We are going to talk about your book, War on Fear. Mm. What would you do if you were not afraid? And even the cover has a great story behind it. So why don't we start with the cover? And and if our listeners want to go and learn more about the book, can they go to your website, johnmorgan.com? johncmorgan.com. John, John C. Don't forget the C, just I, like I did. johncmorgan.com. Or they could go to amazon.com. Right? right. War on Fear. And on the cover, you'll see my son's brother-in-law, Zach who was thrown into sudden liver failure. Mm. And I'm sorry, kidney failure. I had to get, a, failure, had to get yeah. a transplant right away. And um, my son stepped up and donated one of his kidneys. Wow. And so that was just really great. Uh, the surgery was successful, painful, but successful. And then uh, as Zach was healing up, my son found out that he also had a fear of heights. So he said, well, let's just work on that next. And 
took him mountain climbing and 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 doing all these wonderful adventures and uh so we we got that picture as they were standing on a huge cliff out in California yes and uh, it really evokes the kind of emotion that I was looking for in the book cover war on fear something to make you feel like ooh this seems challenging but doable you know fear really is Satan's substitute for faith. I like to say it's yes. faith in the wrong thing. Yes. So, you know, that kind of answers your first question. What is fear? How do you define fear in the book? You know, there's different types of fear. There is the fear of falling off a cliff. People have fear of terminal illness. You know, oh, I, I you know, they, every time they shake somebody's hand, they think they're going to get an illness. You know, there's uh, claustrophobia, which of course is fear of Santa Claus, <laughs> and uh, many different things that people can define, say that's fear when they see it, but it's very hard to define. Yes, when and, you see it, you know it. Right, like the, like the wind. You can't describe it, but you can feel it when yes. it's happening to you. Yes. It's an emotion. In the book, we talk about the physiological nature of fear that is shared by both humans and the animal species. You know, uh, mm-hmm. dogs, cats, they all have a fear mechanism. It's very physiological. But then there's the emotional and the spiritual aspect of fear that really does keep us from the life that God intends for us to live. The book is themed by the verse John 10.10. 10. And I like to say it backwards because first there's a promise. Uh, well, actually, it's second is the promise, but I like to say it first. And that Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. That is so exciting to me to think he came that I might have a life that is so abundant that God describes it as full, abundant, overwhelmingly joyful. And But the first half of the verse has a warning. It says, but the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And to me, I can testify that the, the first 20 years of my life, I lived in fear. I was a victim. I was a prisoner of fear. My operating paradigm was, what could I do? to least get rejected, you know? It was more of a philosophy of avoidance. I I presumed I was unloved, and how could I get away from the feeling as as easily as I can? So drugs, alcohol, all factored into it. Do you attribute that to how your family brought you up? Um, Yeah, partially. I, I was raised by a very loving family, but I was so afraid that they would reject me that I never let them know of the rejection I was experiencing in grade school. And that's where most of it was coming from. I mean, this is parents' worst nightmare, is that after the fact, they find out that, hey, my child was mistreated, but they didn't feel like they could tell me about it because they were so fearful. So what words of advice would you just give to parents that don't want their children to grow up so fearful? I would say... Reassure your children, and th- and that's that's something that my wife Kathy and I have done for our four boys, is to reassure them that there's nothing they can tell us that would shock or surprise us. We we love them, and we're going to love them no matter what ever comes about in their life. And that if there's anything they're afraid of, anything they don't understand, that we should be the first person that they come to, and and share with. Now know. has that come around and kind of bit you because now your son gave up a kidney were you real happy with that decision um we were uh proud of him 
we were, you know, worried for him, <laughs> but we were very proud of him. And we didn't try to stop him because we knew he was doing it out of love and courage. And, you know, after all, if you're going to preach it, you got to live it. Yeah, and then the climbing cliffs or, <laughs> or whatever they're doing on the front here, that's... They definitely engage in risky behavior. <laughs> but, scary. again, I want them to grab everything life has to offer. It, that's what Jesus promised us. And that's what we... You know, what looks more like God? And in the introduction of the book, I say most of us as Christians settle for a beige life of indifference and blending in when God has called us to rock this life yes. and look like him. We should look like Christ with our lives. And, uh, well, you know, it says that in the Bible. So, so many of us, we actually read that and choose to disbelieve it. Yes. So I could never do that. Well, you know, that's giving into the voice of fear right there. When we dismiss an offer or an invitation from Scripture— because it's too out there, mm-hmm. that's fear telling us it's too out there. That's fear telling us God won't follow through. You see, fear accuses God of being unfaithful. And this book is kind of a, a training book. I mean, it's full of stories, and I'm a comedian, so it's got all kinds of funny, you know, crazy things in it. But it's also a book that's designed to help you process your thoughts so that when a fearful thought hits your mind, you know how to deal with that where to put it so that you can be obedient to Christ and grab that life that he intends for all of us to enjoy. You make a a reference to, you know, the war on fear and the war on terror or terrorism. There's a connection, yes. There is a connection because when we think of great fear, we think of terror. Yes, absolutely, because that is an extreme form of fear. And I think you bring out about how terrorism, by its very nature is designed to create a whole society of fearful people. Exactly. And they win when they do that. Mm-hmm. And the ultimate terrorist is the devil. Yeah. Because his goal is the same as a terrorist goal. It's to disrupt the life that you would otherwise live. And you see, what has God called us to? And are we going to allow the voice of fear to disrupt that faith-filled, glorious life that God's called us to. You know, it's us believers, our testimony, our word, our witness, our life that is meant to draw others into the kingdom. But when we just blend in and we're no different than anybody else, then the terrorist, the ultimate right. terrorist, has, has won a big victory. And, you know, perfect peace have they whose mind is stayed on thee, mm. the peace that passes understanding, all of these things in the Bible. Well, if it's not tough and you're peaceful, you can understand that. It's when it's tough, and you still have the peace. Yes. I love this book. I mean, you, you, you do explain. I don't want to give the whole book away. I want people to actually go and get this book and study it. Uh, but what prompted you? Was this was War on Fear your working title, and it just stuck? Or did you write and then go, you know, this is about how I conquered my fears. How, how did you come up with the book and with the title. Well, it it all started with uh, a war on unbelief. And then mm. and then I opened up a second front. I was sitting in church at a worship service and I had this kind of flash of inspiration and I was suddenly made aware of how much unbelief had stolen from me. In other words, what would my life look like if there were no unbelief? Mm. And I got mad. I thought, that's, wow. I'm angry. I'm upset about that. I've let unbelief 
rip me off. Yeah. And so right out loud in the middle of church, I just almost shouted, I declare war on unbelief. <laughs> and I meant it. And so I've been at war with unbelief for a couple of years now. And then a few months after that, I was sitting alone at home and I had another inspiration moment and I realized fear has been ripping me off too. Yeah. And so I thought, I'm opening up another front in this war. Fear. I declare war on fear. And I said it not thinking it would be the title of a book, but I launched into an actual spiritual battle uh, with fear, learning how it operates so that I could not let it have its way in my life. I want to conquer it, not let it conquer me. And then I started looking around and seeing all of my friends are all victims of fear from one degree to another. And so I thought I need to journalize and write what I'm learning so I can share with them. And pretty soon the idea for a, a book was formed and I decided that this is something that really needs to, this could yes. serve. I mean, imagine what the world would look like if the entire body of Christ was unafraid yes. and obedient. Yes. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll do what I command. Yes. And so that's the measure in yes. my mind of our love for Christ is how much we obey him. Yes. And when fear hinders us from obedience, who are we actually listening to? And that ought to tick you off yes. if nothing else does. Yes. Uh, that fear causes you to put your trust in who? Oh, I'm so scared to say it. <laughs> the enemy of God, the, the, the devil. I don't want to have faith in Satan. Yes. I want to have faith in Jesus. And I know you do too. Yes. Well, we're going to take a break right here. And when we come back, I, I want to talk a little bit how you've used your humor. We'll be right back. You've got questions? God has answers, and they're all found in the Bible. Welcome to God's Treasure Chest. I'm Charles Mills. Let's see what's hiding in God's Word today. Why isn't there a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? I know exactly what you're asking. You're saying, why aren't we rewarded for following our dreams? Why doesn't this world deliver when we work so hard for what we want? That fabled pot of gold dwells in a world of make-believe and children's nursery rhymes. In reality, where you and I live, pots of gold and rainbows hide in other people's checking accounts and beneath stormy skies. If we want gold, we have to earn it. If we want rainbows, we might have to weather a shower or two. But don't worry. There's a pot of gold, of sorts, waiting at the end of a very special rainbow. Listen as John the Revelator describes it in God's treasure chest. There before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it, and the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and quartz. A rainbow resembling an emerald encircled the throne. Revelation 4, 1-3 NIV. The only rainbow worth following is the one that leads to Jesus. The only pot of gold worth having is waiting for us in heaven where dreams come true. And our hard work and faith are rewarded for eternity. I guess I was trying to follow the wrong rainbow. If you'd like to learn more about God and His amazing treasure chest, write for your free kids-only Bible course. The address is Treasure Chest, P.O. Box 53055, Los Angeles, California, 90053. Discover the many answers waiting for you in God's treasure chest. Thank you. 
Welcome back. I'm talking to John Morgan, and you can learn more about him at johncmorgan.com. He is the uh, George W. Bush impersonator that really that kind of changed the whole trajectory of your life. And he's written a book called War on Fear. I, I can't go on too much longer without sharing how you've used humor in this book. You know, God gives us, that is a gift, humor. And we're going to share some things uh, quickly here. But you have, what if I fail? And then you put, done that. Well, who hasn't done that? You know, we can relate to that. What if I forget my lines? So in your situation, share with us a time where you forgot your lines. I mean, you didn't write. Well, maybe you wrote. Well, I don't want them to know uh, if you did. But anyway, just share with us a time that you forgot your lines. Well, or I, maybe you did forget your lines. You were just fearful. Oh, I forgot everything. Um, <laughs> I was invited to go on tour with a talk show host named Sean Hannity, and it was the Stop Hillary tour. Oh. <laughs> and so I had a whole script that I had to memorize, and I was coming out as George W. Bush. And, you know, when I walk out on the stage, people really think it's George yes. W. God has gifted me to look <laughs> yes. very strikingly a lot like George W., and I can do his voice and stuff. It's really a fun thing. <laughs> so uh, I was about five minutes before showtime, and I suddenly had stage fright. Because this was a big thing. It was in, in Atlanta, 10,000 people in the, in the audience. Larry the Cable Guy had just done something. You know, following yes. a, a, a great comedian <laughs> is just horrifying if you're a comedian. But then um, what he had told me is that if you do good here in Atlanta— then I'll take you on the entire tour. So this was the test, oh, if yeah. you will. And so there I was, five minutes out, to, in total lockdown. My brain, I couldn't barely remember my name. Uh, I, I tried to look at the script, and it all looked like Greek words on a, a white page. I mean, I, I, I had stage fright, classic yes, stage fright. Yes. And um, my manager asked me, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to walk out on that stage with nothing but faith. I believe that God will come back to me. And so I had the fear, and the fear was trying to make me run the other direction. But because of the experience I've had with Christ, being faithful and coming through and helping me, somehow, even though I was experiencing the fear, I also had the knowledge, the, the belief that God would not let me fall on my face out there in front of all those 10,000 people. And so I hailed to the chief, began to play, took a deep breath, started walking up the stairs, one step, two step. And by the time I got up the eight steps to the platform, it all came back and I had a wonderful show. Did you end up going on tour with him? I wound up doing the whole tour. <laughs> it was fantastic. absolutely fantastic. We don't want to uh, close the show without talking a little bit about Trump. Oh, yes, you know, so uh, you're learning. You, you you can do a Trump impersonation too. Yes, poorly, but it's getting better. <laughs> I'm I'm working on it, and um, to my to my surprise, um, I can actually morph my face into Donald Trump, and uh, I'm I'm going to enhance it every way I can. Before you know, I'm not I'm not announcing it, hanging a shingle yes. yet, and yes. booking as Trump. But I have done about five appearances so far, and. People have really been delighted with it. Yes. It's really fun. He's so easy because he's got so many idiosyncrasies. He's uh -huh. got his hand motions are so, you know, everybody knows exactly what he does. 
So all you have to do is do like this and say it's going to be spectacular. It's going to be absolutely wonderful, and everybody knows it. And, you know, it says in the book of First Crocodiles, if my people, and by my people, by the way, I'm not talking about my people. I'm talking about God's people who are called by my name. And, of course, they don't mean the deplorables. I'm talking about God's people. If they humble themselves, and people say that would be hard for me to be humble, but I'm, I'm the most humble person I know, actually. And turn from their wicked ways. And, oh, I could name some names on the wicked ways. Trust me on this. But I won't here because I don't want to insult Hillary on the on the air, you know. Uh, so anyway, that that's the kind of thing. It's just so much fun, so easy yeah. and so fun. And we're going to um, conclude this show by listening to a song. Now, did you write this song? Yes, I was invited to perform at a friend's birthday party in at Franklin Theater in Nashville, Tennessee. A lot of top comedians were there and I had five minutes so I wasn't even going to play a song at all I was just going to do some comedy and at the last minute as I was walking out of the house to go to the airport I got this little nudge from the Lord grab your ukulele now I'd never even played my ukulele for anybody but my mother-in-law you know I just got it it wasn't anything I was ready to perform with but on the flight from Orlando to Atlanta that one hour flight I wrote that song and it's now got almost a million views it's just amazing this one little song really took off yes yes well we're going to play it for you here and we hope you enjoy it and thank you so much john for being with us there is a man his name is trump he kicked my baby brother's rump but you don't really care for politics do you but you hung in tough, you took the cake. Your strategy is to make us great. Misunderstandization never threw ya. Hallelujah. 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 you to run. I mean, you'd never win, but oh, what fun. When you were nominated, she sang hallelujah. Your orange hair, your goofy tan, your two long ties, your two small hands. Still America decided they would choose ya. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Well, raise the flag and ring the bell. Donald won, ain't that swell? We're all still Americans, that is true, yeah. So wait it out, give peace a chance Perhaps we'll all learn how to dance And with one united voice sing Hallelujah 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 <laughs> Thank you, Rose. And thank you so much, John, for being with us. 
One last thing, and that is keep learning. You have been listening to Education Current, a production of MRG Media Ministries. For more on this or to contact us, go to mrgmediaministries.com. That's all one word, mrgmediaministries.com.